Well, I hope you guys brought your Bibles, and if not, then next week bring them. Actually, next week is our Christmas hangout, so we're not doing a normal study. I think we're going to do some Christmassy music. But the other times we do this, bring your Bibles. But if you're cool and you have a phone, you can easily get to the book of Ephesians from that too. So we're in Ephesians chapter 4, and that is where we want to turn or click or flip or whatever. That's my, that's my favorite one. I like that one. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I'm excited to go through Ephesians with you guys again. We started Ephesians and then we did our Hunger Games series, but we're actually picking Ephesians back up. Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1. So this book is really practical. Practical just means it's like really basic. It's stuff that's just good for us to learn for our life as Christians. So we're just going to go through it. Um, So the series is called Sit, Walk, Stand, if any of you guys remember. Um, And it makes me think of babies and how resilient a baby is. Because honestly, babies can really get through anything. It's crazy. Like Amanda, when she was a baby, I remember... I was just a little kid, and I had this new baby sister, and she used to walk around in these little pink footy pajamas, and she was literally the cutest little bald, like, cutie pie. And she was, like, totally little bald cutie pie. I was, like, six. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's actually a wig that she's wearing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm walking through the house, and I come around the corner, and it's in my old house. In, um, no, we were in California at that time, but we were, we were there. And I'm looking at the top of the stairs, and Amanda's at the top of the stairs in her pink onesie. And I was like, no! And she totally, like, took a step, and she fell down a flight of stairs. And she did, like, 20 flips. She was like, And then, like, landed face first on, like, the tile floor. And somehow she was completely fine. Not one broken bone, like, nothing. It's crazy. Babies are really resilient. If I fell down a flight of stairs, like, I, you'd have to find a new youth pastor. I'd be dead. Um, <laughs> Um, with a baby, I mean, before a baby learns to walk, all they can really do is sit, you know? They just kind of sit up, and, like, they're all, ah, and they're trying to reach things, and you have to, like, wedge them between two pillows to keep them up, and, um, (laughs) then at some point, babies figure out they have hands and feet, and they're like, oh, what are these things, and and then they, they learn, they start learning how to walk, and that's basically what we're talking about, is that babies need to grow up, and babies need to learn how to walk. Um, the first part of Ephesians, um, chapters 1 through 3, are about sitting. And it's not like sitting around, but it's like sitting underneath the authority, underneath the blessings and the riches of God. It's like, basically, um, like, think of it as, like, God, like, gives you this giant, like, swimming pool full of, like, money. And you're just, like, sitting and you're like, yes, this is awesome. God has given us not, like, necessarily, some of us are like, well, I only have $5 in my piggy bank. Um, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about spiritual riches. God has given us so much, and he's asked us to sit in that wealth. Um, Paul talks about in the beginning of the book, Ephesians, he's like, why are you guys living like beggars, like, when you have so much spiritual wealth? Um, chapter 4, though, we're not talking about the wealth, but we're talking about the walk. And it really is, it's a how-to chapter. It's how to walk with Jesus. And it's not necessarily about um, what God does for us, but it's about what we get to do for him. But it's really important, guys, that you don't mix up the order. Um, because, like I said, chapters 1 through 3, that talks about what God does for us. Um, I don't want to ever be a youth group where I'm just like, you need to please God. Like, you need to do all this stuff to like try and make God happy or he's not happy with you. The amazing thing with God is he just, he loves us so much and he did so much for us and he doesn't like ask for anything in return for us to get that love. Like when you were still a sinner, some of you guys might be born in a Christian family, um, but you were born with a sin nature. 
some of you guys might have gotten saved like at a younger or at an older age in your teens and you know about all the bad stuff you did before you knew Jesus and God loved us before we ever did anything good for him he loved us like God even saw like God I mean it's crazy he can, he can see all potential futures God can look at you and see that potential future where like you went off and were a mass murderer because of weird conditions in your life um, I'm not saying that's like what's going to happen, but I'm just saying like God sees your potential for the worst you could possibly be. He knows you at your very worst and he still loved us no matter what. Um, for me and my wife, like I love doing things for my wife. Um, I love like when I get to bless her, when I get to like, you know, go out and buy her something or get her a gift or when she's out and I like, you know, something like wash the dishes or like just do a chore around the house. Like I don't do that because I'm like, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, Brooklyn's going to like, she's not going to love me. She's going to hate me. Like when we got married, she didn't give me like a list. Like these are the things you need to do for me to love you. Um, I just love her. And that's why I love doing things for her. And it's the same way with me and her. It's the same way with her and me. She loves to bless me. Um, that's the relationship God wants for you. He wants you to do things for him just because you love him, not because you're trying to earn anything from him. So let's, let's start with verse one and let's see what it says. Uh, verse one says, I therefore, this is Paul, the apostle writing, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling from which you were called. Paul talks about himself being a prisoner. Like, that's his identity. And when he's writing this, he's in a prison cell. But he knows God's in control. He's like, you know what? I'm in jail, but God is so powerful and he's so awesome that this trial I'm going through is not so big that it's going to keep me from getting the word out. He knows God's in control. Um, Here's a word. Here's a free word for you to learn. Um, Here's our bonus word for the day. It's beseech. He says, I beseech you. I want you guys to start going around saying, I beseech you. Um, what it means is you're trying to convince somebody. Like the other day, um, Brooklyn and I were trying to say, decide where to eat. She's like, let's go to In-N-Out. And I was like, Brooklyn, I beseech you. We must go to Chipotle. Uh, I was trying to convince her. Um, if You should seriously go around to start beseeching people. Um, <laughs> so what he's trying to beseech us of is to walk worthy of the gospel. He's basically saying, guys, the gospel's incredible. Like, we've been saved. We've been given freedom and forgiveness for our sins. We need to measure up to that. And that's kind of scary. That's kind of scary to hear because it's like, well, I can never measure up to Jesus. I can never be as good as Jesus. How can I possibly measure up to him? If you're like me, like, when I was your age, a lot of times I wondered, like, like how do I get into heaven? Like, I'm not good enough. I keep messing up. I keep sinning. But that's not the way it is, guys. Honestly, it's not about being good enough to get into heaven. We're all losers in that department. Like, I don't want to offend you, but I'm in the same boat with you. We're all sinners. It's God's grace that saved us. It's, it's our account. Think of like a bank account. Our account and God's credit. Like, you look at your account and you've got like five bucks in the bank. And God's like, here's a million bajillion. Like, that's the way God treats us. Um, think about this, okay? Like, I want you guys, to, I'm, I'm just gonna try to put in terms that I think you guys will really understand. I was actually really excited by this analogy because uh, I think everyone can relate to it. Um, so I remember I was at family camp and I don't want to embarrass her. She's not here, but I just thought it was really, it was, it was really funny. It was really awesome. I was talking with Lauren Krippner and me in Brooklyn were and we were talking about her Instagram account. And she was like, I just don't know. She was like showing us picture. And she's like, I don't know if this picture is like worthy of the account because like I got to have all these blues. And she's like, if I post that, the colors will be off. Like I want the grid. Like when you look at my grid, like I want everything to kind of like be like lined up and symmetrical. And, you know, she's like, I, I've got to post something that I can hashtag with Krippner blue period. You know, it's got to it's got to be awesome. Um, and I totally get that. Like, 
we like how many people here like struggle like the struggle is real you want your pictures on your instagram to be worthy of your accounts like you don't want to just post like come on raise your hands you know you guys are into that um okay now imagine this so i think a lot of you guys probably know i I hear some of you guys talking um it's it's really funny i hear some of you guys talking about how many followers you have and you're like you'll freak out like oh my gosh, I went on my account the other day and there's like five less followers than there were. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, did I do something wrong? Did I post something weird? Um, Some of us though, I think we struggle, you know, because we'll do an account and we'll post a picture and it'll get like five likes and we're like, oh, so lame. You're like, should I take it off? Yeah, should I? I only got five likes. Yeah, it's not worth it. I'm just going to delete it. We'll post a picture, and if, it, if within, within the first 10 minutes, if it doesn't get as many likes as we're hoping, we'll, like, like, oh we'll delete it. It's not worthy. Um, imagine this, though. Imagine that a Instagram superstar, like somebody who gets millions and millions of likes, handed you over their account. They're like, this is yours now. You have a million followers. Anything you post will instantly get like a bajillion likes. You would want to not, you wouldn't just be like, I'm going to post a picture of my breakfast. Like you would want to post something that was worthy of that account because you realize how many people are going to be looking at it. And in the Christian life, it reminds me of that. It's like, we want to, like the, 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 gospel, the gospel, the gospel is great and it's big and it's amazing. And we need to walk worthy of it. Like we need to live our life in a way where people see it and they're like, yeah, that lines up with Jesus. That measures up with who he is. It doesn't mean we need to be perfect, but it does mean we need to think about how we live our life. Um, It reminds me of like, imagine this, like somebody buys a designer jacket. Like I was looking at Steven's jacket today. I was like, that jacket is so, it's so cool. It's got like the little arrows on the side. Like I love that jacket. Where is he? Hey, hey, buddy. (laughs) Um, So like imagine if a guy buys Steven's jacket and looks really good. But then he's got like a dirty, like ripped T-shirt underneath. And his pants are like, like paisley like 70s like bell-bottom weirdo pants from like the thrift store and you know like like his socks are like moldy and gross like like the jacket wouldn't match like you need his friend yeah you'd be his friend but but basically when we get a nice jacket we want to buy an outfit that like all that other stuff has to go because it doesn't measure up to the jacket it's the same way in our christian life when we bring the gospel, when we bring Jesus into our heart, we need to look at the rest of our life and go like, is this like tattered jeans in, compare, in comparison to like the awesomeness of the gospel that I'm wearing? Um, like, does anyone here like know what they want to be when they grow up? Yeah. What do you want to be? A physical therapist. A f- physical therapist, okay? Why you say it like that? So if you, if you got that physical therapist job and you walked into the office and you were like, hey guys, I'm Jenna, and you're like on a pogo stick and you're like... <laughs> jumping around and like you know doing car wheels and be like hey you're like a clown nose on you like people would be people would be like you're not walking worthy of the job of physical therapist like you're not being professional you should have showed up in a physical i don't know what a physical therapist wears um my what i want to ask is like do, do we want heaven do we want heaven to be like this big i want to go to Do we, do we want heaven to be like this big surprise where we show up and it's like, this is not the way I live my life on earth? Like, do we want to be like an angry, like lustful, jealous, like person on earth who's always sinning? And then we show up to heaven and it's like, wow, no one acts the way I did on earth. Or do we want to try to live heavenly? 
Do we want to try to live, like Phil Wickham sings, for the heavenlies, where our, the way we act and the way we live measures up to the way things are in heaven? That's why God gives us, this is practical, that's why God gives us the fruits of the Spirit. If you want to know how to be like Jesus, one, read the Gospels and watch what Jesus did, watch how he acted. But another great thing is the fruit of the Spirit. You can read that, and it's, it's love. Do you have love in your life? Not like, oh, that boy's cute. But do you have, like, love for everyone, unconditional love? Do you have joy when things are hard? Do you have peace when things are stressful? Do you have peace in your heart? Do you have patience? There's a whole list in the Bible that's the fruit of the Spirit. And if you read those, you can start asking yourself, is this what my life has? Um, Look at verse 2. It says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. It's talking about a couple different things that we can walk in. One is lowliness. Lowliness just means it means humbleness. Not like humble brag, like where you're like out and you're like like you're like feeding orphans and you're like taking Instagrams of yourself and you're like, oh, it's so hard being out here feeding the orphans. Like it's a good thing I'm so spiritual. Like it's like that instant that uh, Christian Instagram girl video. Like it's is are we are we living our life where it's like we're just posting because we want people to know how spiritual we are. Or do we actually have humility? There's this story of these guys who are hermits. Does anyone know what a hermit is? I know what hermit a hermit crab? is. Hermit crab? Wow. <laughs> it's basically, it was these three guys, these three old men, who decided they were like, I, we want to live on an island away from everybody else so we can just spend time with God. We don't want any distractions. We just want to go. And these were simple guys. They didn't go to Bible college. They didn't do anything fancy. All they wanted to do was go to an island and pray to God and be away from everybody else and just have time with God. So they show up on the island and they're there for years. Well, there's a priest who hears about these three hermits. And he's a really popular priest and everyone knows about what he does. He's kind of a celebrity. So he decides it'd be a good move. Like, I'm going to go visit the three hermits and I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to tell them about God. I'm going to tell him the mysteries of God. So he shows up on the island and he visits these guys and he's like, I'm going to teach you hermits how to pray the Lord's Prayer. And they're like, whoa, what was that? Um, (laughs) They're like, (laughs) they were like, oh, thank you so much. So he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He goes through the whole thing and these hermits are listening and they're like, thank you so much for telling us. But they, they couldn't really get it. They couldn't remember it. And the priest got really frustrated. He's like, these guys are so dumb. Like, they're on this island. Like, why can't they remember? So he's going through with them and finally he gets fed up. And he's like, all right, fine, guys, I'm done with you. So he gets on the ship and he starts sailing away. And then all of a sudden he hears these voices. Hey, wait, wait, come back. And he looks and the three hermits are walking on the water towards him. And he's like, oh my gosh. Like, these guys are so close to the Lord that they're walking on water. And they're like, hey, can you teach us the second verse of the Lord's Prayer? We forgot. And he totally like bows down. And he's like, you know what? You guys need to teach me how to be humble. Obviously, it's not a true story. Uh, <laughs> but it's a, it's a good point, though. Um, we need to have humility in our life. Another thing is gentleness. Do you have gentleness in your life? When, when somebody's in your life and you need to correct them, and like we all need to correct people at times, are you the type of person who's like, hey, idiot, you're wrong. <laughs> are you the type of person who's like, hey, I love you, and because I love you, I need to tell you this. Another thing is long-suffering. He talks about being long-suffering. Being long-suffering just means suffering for a long time. Are we willing to do that with people? 
Are there people in our life who drive us crazy who are willing, like, I'm going to suffer this person a long time because I love them? I think a lot of times when it comes to people who drive us crazy, we're way too quick to just jump ship and bail on them. Like, this person is not worth my time. I, they drive me crazy. I just want them out of my life. I'm cutting them out. I don't want to have anything to do with them. Um, I, when I think of long-suffering, I think of Jamie's mom, Mrs. Urbina. She was my fourth-grade teacher, and we drove her crazy. We made the woman cry. For some reason in fourth grade... Everyone in my class thought that yelling poop at the top of our lungs was the funniest thing in the world. So just the entire class was like, hey, poop. Like, we'd just be yelling. It was so stupid. And we made her cry so many times. We were so disrespectful. But she loved us. She wasn't like, bring in a substitute teacher. I'm taking off for five weeks. That woman suffered along with us because she cared about us. Think about that person who drives you crazy. That person in your life, whether it's a sibling or someone in your class or just somebody who's kind of a rival of you who always seems to drive you crazy. I had a guy like that. His name was Michael. He made me cry so many times on the playground. One time I got so mad at him that it was actually, it was pretty great. Uh, I got so mad at him that I ripped a piece of tile off of the playhouse that was on the playground at the school. This is like you, the playground of the school was in phase four. This is phase one of the playground. They had this rickety dollhouse shack. I ripped off some tar on the roof. And I got so mad at Michael, I chucked it in the air. And it went, and it went, bam, and it hit him right in the face. And it was amazing. I got sent to Mr. Barge's office, and it was great. Anyway, um, is that you, though? Are you just getting so mad at those people, and you're not willing to have patience and suffer along with them? Think of Jesus, how long he suffered with us. I know we like to think about how great we are, but really... We are a mess. We sin so much. We mess up so much. And God has never turned his back on us. He has always stayed with us. Um, here's another one. At the end of verse 2, he says, bearing with one another in love. Are you, you know, it says a lot about someone if you're willing to bear with them. Think about the Good Samaritan. You guys know that story of the Good Samaritan? There's that guy who gets beat up and robbed and he's lying in the street. And it's like, who are we in that story? Because there's two people who pass, and they're both basically pastors. It's a priest and a Levite. They work at the church. But they see this guy, and they're like, oh, I don't have time for that. Like, he's all bloody and bruised, and they're like, not me. I don't want to get my robe dirty. And the guy who sees him is basically his enemy. It's a Samaritan. Like, the Jews and the Samaritans do not like each other. And he picks him up, puts him on his donkey, and bears his burden with him. What kind of person are we? Are we somebody who says, not my problem? Are we somebody who basically you look at all Christians, whether you like them or not, and you think, you're my family? Like, do you look at other Christians and think, you're my family? Like, you're my brother and sister in Christ. Like, when you see somebody's post on Instagram or Facebook that are going through a hard time, are you like, not my problem? Are you like, you know what? I'm going to drop everything. I'm going to pray for this person. And I don't even like them that much. Because that's my brother, or that's my sister in the Lord. The, the people that you don't like, we really should be working hard to get to a place where we do like them. I think it's really important to live our lives where we don't have any enemies. I think it's really important to operate our life in a way where we love God, we have peace with God, and we have peace with man. Because if we go through our lives with bitterness and with enemies, if we don't resolve those things, if we don't go to those people and make peace and make right, that bitterness will eat away at us for a long time. I'm going to read verse 3 through 6. Please look with me. So Paul says, "...endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace." There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, 
one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all in you all. What does this verse mean? He's talking about endeavoring, like striving for unity. When I think of unity, I think of camp. Because at camp, I really felt like we were unified. We went up there, and I was totally doubting that the Lord was going to do anything. And God just did so much at camp. I was so blessed to hear from you guys. When you guys got up and shared, I mean, I just, I feel like winter camp has always been ever since I was in junior high. And I remember Trevor O'Keefe said the same thing to me when I was his counselor. He was like, there's just something about winter camp. It's weird. It's just a few days. But it's like everybody who's kind of struggling and kind of on the fence, like after those two days, God does something in everybody's heart where it's like we come back and everyone's just like, I'm ready to worship. Like I'm ready to learn. Like I'm ready to pour in. And even like I was watching you guys at school today, those of you guys who go to Calvary um, yesterday when we were doing chapel and I was just watching you guys worship and I was like, man, God is stirring up people's hearts. I feel like after camp, we're just, we're unified. Like we understand we're God's children, we're God's family, we're on the same page. Um, but guys, here's the thing. If we don't continue, if we don't strive to continue, then we're gonna die out. That fire's gonna die out and we're gonna have to wait till next year's winter camp. And I don't wanna do that. I want to keep going. Um, those of you guys who know, I, I went on a diet recently. It was Whole30, which basically for 30 days, you don't eat anything but fruits and vegetables. It was amazing. I learned in those 30 days, like the first week was like nightmarish. But after that, I learned to crave fruit the way I do ice cream. It was weird. Like I reprogrammed my body in that short amount of time, and I loved it. I lost 30 pounds. But you know what? I gained all that back, like, and then some. Like, once, once I stopped, once I stopped making the effort and went back to eating ice cream and pizza and things like that, that all went away. And in the same way, guys, our Christian life, if we're not making an effort to keep that fire going, it's gonna go away. It's not gonna happen unless we work for it. Are you working for it? Not in a way where you're like, I've got to work to earn God's favor, but more in the sense that you're like, I understand this is something that's really valuable that I need to work for. Something where I understand, like, this affects my life in a good way. It's awesome. I need to work for this. For some of us, it's not easy to get along with other people. He talks about endeavoring to keep unity in the spirit, in the bond of peace. For some of us, it's, it's not easy for us to get along with people. I think everybody has somebody. I think every single one of us has someone where we pray at night and we're like, God, I pray you just strike down that creep. But you know what? I think probably we're all somebody, somebody. Like, there's probably somebody who's praying the same thing about us. Like, Lord, they're such a jerk. And they're praying that about you when you think that you're perfect. I mean, that's, that's how I was. I would pray for this one guy, that guy Michael, because I thought he was the worst. But you know what? There was people that I had been hurting their feelings that I didn't know about until much later. We all need to be sensitive and realize that we're not perfect. You know, as much as some people might drive us crazy, we affect other people. And guys, we're going to be in heaven with all these people forever. Like that person that you hate who's a Christian, you're going to be with them in heaven forever. It's probably a good idea to start loving them now. We need to learn to have peace with others. Because, guys, we're not responsible for how people treat us. If somebody comes up and punches you in the face, like a judge isn't going to be like, you're going to jail. You let that guy punch you. Like, that'd be ridiculous. But if you pull out a gun and you shoot him in the kneecap, then, yeah, you're going to jail. It's not about what that person did to you, it's about how you responded. And that's an extreme example. But guys, a lot of people are gonna treat you like dirt, even Christians sometimes. A lot of times Christians will get on your nerves. They'll gossip about you. They'll say mean things about you. They'll, they'll give you dirty looks from across the hallway and they're Christians. 
But you're not responsible for what they do. You're responsible for how you react. The best thing you can do is pray for them and not like, Lord, change them, destroy them, (laughs) change them into a pile of dust from your lightning strike. Um, Instead, it should be praying, Lord, change me. Like, help me to be a better friend. Lord, help me to be a more patient person through the trial of this person driving me crazy. Give me patience. Teach me patience. Or maybe you can pray like, Lord, I don't know why they're treating me bad. Maybe there's something wrong with them. Like maybe something hard is happening in their home that's causing them. Lord, I just pray you'd give them peace. I pray you'd give them comfort. I pray that you'd affect their heart. Lord, Lord, bless that person who's driving me crazy. Imagine what the world would look like if we started with the people who drive us crazy. If we tried to keep that bond of peace, it'd be amazing. It made me think of um, at camp (laughs) when we were over there. So when we go to a normal camp, Obviously, it's a Calvary Chapel camp. So we have like 300 people there, but they're all from like Calvary Chapel Lompo, Calvary Chapel San Juan, Calvary Chapel Fallbrook. Or, no, they never come with us. Um, but <laughs> there's all these different uh, Calvary chapels, okay? And maybe a couple of people who are like kind of not Calvary chapels are kind of close to it. So it's like it's way easier for us to get along with them and like get to know them. I feel like at this winter camp, I'm going to be honest, even myself, I was really awkward around the other people because I was like, I don't like there's like a Catholic school over here. And these people are doing weird things with scarves. And like, <laughs> do you guys remember that? They're doing, like, I was like, I don't know. What, these guys are doing a grad school program. Like, I don't know what's going on. But it made me think. Like, the, pretty much all those groups were Christian groups. It's sad that we can be so closed off because people are different or they come from other churches. And we're not open to just say, like, everybody's the body of Christ. Like, we should love everyone. We should reach out to everybody. I remember there was a time where I, and this wasn't anything. My dad's a pastor. This isn't anything from what my dad said. This isn't anything I heard from any pastor or teacher. It's just, it was just from growing up. And I think pretty much all church denominations probably struggle with this. The kids do. When I was your guys' age, I remember I was thinking, any church that's not a Calvary Chapel doesn't have the Holy Spirit. Like, I, w- I thought we were the only ones who had the Holy Spirit, and everyone else just is f- faking themselves out. And I remember I would drive by churches that were Calvary Chapel, and I'd be like, yeah, the Spirit's there. I was a weird kid. Like, you're like, I never think stuff like, driving, like I'm like, yeah, the Spirit, man, yeah. Um, but I remember I drove, I would drive by, like, a Lutheran church, Baptist church, Catholic church, and I would think, oh, man, they're dead in there. Like, there's nothing. There's no spirit in there. That's a bummer. One day, my car breaks down in front of a Lutheran church. The people come out of the church, and they were, like, just so friendly, so loving, like, just loving on me. They were offering me cookies. They fixed my car. Like, they were praying for me. Like, it was the sweetest people. And I realized in that moment, like, oh, my gosh, these people, like, they're different than us. Like, they do things a little differently, but they have the spirit. And, guys, there is a big body of Christ out there. We need to learn not to be bigoted about other people. Sure, Baptists might do things different than us. Sure, Lutherans might be, do, do things different than us. I remember um, I, one time I went down to the original Pedro's Tacos. Um, and does anyone know that is? San Clemente? Or what, do you know Rebecca? Original Pedro's? No? Scotty? San Clemente, okay. Um, so, I mean, your Instagram is rad surf, babe. So I figured, you know, Pedro's tacos, you'd know. Anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know why those go together. When you, you surf with a taco, I don't know. Um, anyway, I went down there and I got a taco. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Surf <laughs> Rebecca surfs on tacos, right? <laughs> no, I went down there. Okay, bring it back. I went down there and I got a taco. And then I was still hungry. <laughs> so I went to a diner and it was run by nuns like Catholic nuns. 
And I, and I was like, this is weird. This, I don't know if I, this is, this is weird. And they were so nice. Like, they were asking questions. I told them I was a youth pastor. They were, like, totally praying for me. There was, like, just these awesome, sweet, like, Christian ladies. And um, I remember one of the ladies, like, told me. Uh, she was like, what, what church do you pastor at? And I told her Calvary Chapel. And she's like, oh, that's wonderful. She's like, can you just promise me one thing? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. She's like, when you teach, can you just promise me you won't poke fun at Catholic people? Because I guess that's the reputation that we have. And I don't know, I, my dad never really does that. And I don't think Jason does either. Um, but I know that some people do. And I just want to challenge you guys, because I've heard that before. Like, oh, like, they're not Christians. They're Catholics. There's a lot of people in the Catholic, like, there's a lot of stuff I don't agree with in the Catholic Church. There's a lot of stuff they do that I honestly think is biblically wrong. But there's people in there who love Jesus and have given their lives to Jesus. And just because they might have some things wrong, like they've got the basics, and that's awesome. And I'm so blessed to see that God is using people. So the point is, like, we need to have unity. Like, we need to not segregate ourselves where we're just judging everyone who's not a part of our church. I want to challenge you guys. Be loving to everybody you meet who's a Christian. Like, just welcome them. When you, when you meet another Christian, no matter what church they come from, like, welcome them as a family member, because they are. In verse four, it's talking about there is one body and one spirit. And I think sometimes we can look at the body and we can think some people aren't a part of the body. I remember I was talking with some junior high kids, and they were like, Aaron, this is when I was a junior high pastor. They're like, Aaron, I think there's some kids in the group who aren't Christians. These are like sixth graders, you know, so they're a little undeveloped in the thought process. But these sixth graders were like, Aaron, I think there's some non-safe kids in our group. And I was like, why do you think that? And they're like, because they wear like black clothes and they have like slick back hair and like they're all like goth and stuff. So I don't think they're Christians. And I was like, what? Guys, that's so judgmental. Like we, it's crazy how we can look at somebody and just by the way that they look, we can say, oh, they're not a Christian because obviously Christians dress this way. There's a story of, there was a village where the only bird that was in the village in the jungle was a parrot. That's the, like literally, if you would ask them what's a bird, they would, they would say it's a parrot because that's the only bird they ever knew. But one day a raven flew into the jungle and what they did was they were like, this is a weird parrot it doesn't like it looks wrong it's all black and weird so they took it and they like trimmed its feathers and they painted it green and then they filed its beak down to make it look and they're like okay it's a parrot now and it's so sad because god made that raven the way it is like god gifted that raven with things it does and and we we don't need to as christians say every single christian looks this way every single christian talks this way every single christian acts this way And some of you guys, you look at other people and you judge yourself based on other people. You look at other Christians and you're like, if I'm going to be really holy, I got to do everything exactly the way I do and talk the way they do. And you don't realize like God created you the way you are. Like God has given you guys gifts. He's given you guys strengths. He's given you guys different things you're courageous about. And, and, And I just want you guys to just not think you have to be just like everybody else. Be yourself and let God work through who he's made you to be. I think it's sad when you see people who don't understand what it means in verse 5 where it says there's one Lord, there's one faith, and there's one baptism. Because I've met people before who are like, yeah, me and God are okay. Like, we've got our own thing. Like, I'm good with God. I've, I've witnessed to people. And I'm like, hey, you need to know Jesus. And they're like, no, 
I'm good. I've got my own faith with God. I wake up in the morning, like once a week. I go, I, I read the newspaper. I drink a cup of coffee. It's like my routine. And I'll take a walk around my yard. And it's just this, it's this walk where I just understand that me and God are okay. We're cool. And that's how me and God communicate. But that's not the faith. It says we have one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. And that means that Jesus is the one way. You guys, like if there's, I mean, I, I know this sounds really basic, but I really want you guys to understand, especially those of you guys who are going off to college, like Jesus is the way. There is no other way but Jesus. It's not that God is saying it's, he's narrow-minded. It'd be like if there was a crazy disease and there was one cure for it, and then you're like, but what if I took Tylenol? Or what if I had some DayQuil? Like, I could, I could be cured. It's like, no, you can't. There's one cure that's been tested and proven. That's what Jesus is. He is the cure. I think we should be on the same page. There's a story. You guys know I'm not a sports guy, but I actually have three sports analogies in this study. So um, I get invited to speak at FCAs. I'm like, you guys know I like quit Little League because I got called a butthead and, uh, <laughs> by my coach. Because <laughs> I was always out in the field like daydreaming like, and missing the catches. And then uh, football, my first day of Evan Wickham's football team, I showed up and he was like, run! And I was like, no, and I left. And <laughs> so that's my sports history. Um, basketball, some of you guys have heard this for years, but I touched the ball once the entire season. And when I touched it that one time, I shot and I missed. And that was the entire season of eighth grade basketball for me. So um, basically, my, like, what I'm trying to say is, oh, the sports story, I forgot. Okay, I'm going to take it as a sports story. I was like, where am I? <laughs> um, has anyone heard of the Pittsburgh Pirates? Yeah. I like that name. Okay, so there was a guy named Willie Stargell. They called him Pops. He was the manager and coach of the Pittsburgh Pirates in 1979. And as they were winning their second World Series title, they were called at that time the family. Everybody referred to them as the family because they had so much friendship for one another. They fought hard. And when they were on the court, they worked together as a unit. But when they were off the court, the whole team hung out with one another. They'd go over to each other's houses like this and spend time with one another and be together. And it's really cool. It's, the coach says, we won, we lived, and we enjoyed life together. He said, we had dozens of different people working together for a cause. We were one. And that's really the way I want this youth group to be. I want us to be a family. I want us to be where we're all on the same page. I want you guys to know, like, we're all brothers and sisters. If you're here tonight and you're struggling with something, let one of us know. Some of the older brothers and sisters, you know, maybe one of the seniors um, or maybe uh, one of the counselors or me or Brooklyn. You can let us know what's going on, and we will pray for you because we genuinely care about you guys. We want you guys to encourage one another. Stuff like that happened um, at camp where you guys got up and you talked and you shared. I want to see more of that happening. I'd love to start going back to having at least one of you guys share something before every study and worship service that we do. I think another thing, too, I don't know if any of you guys agree with this, but I think that in the church, there's a disconnect between adults and young people. Does anyone feel that way? Like, do any of you guys feel, like, disconnected from, like, the main church at times? No. No? Well, you're, you've always been really friendly with everybody, but this is what I see. <laughs> hey, buddy. <laughs> This is what I see. I see a lot of times kids like you go through the high school group, but then you graduate, and then you go into the sanctuary, and you're like, this doesn't seem like youth group. This is weird, and I don't know any of these old people. 
I'm leaving. And I see that happen a lot, and I really don't want that to happen. So one of the things we're going to try is next month, um, this month we're not going to because it's uh, Christmas time, but next month on the last January Wednesday, instead of meeting here, we're all going to meet in the sanctuary together. And I don't want it to be a thing where it's like, oh, like, no youth group, like, I'm going to bail. I would love us all to go together, sit in the sanctuary, listen to the Bible study, and then I want to build, and I'm going to be talking with you guys about this for a couple weeks, but I want to build a student leadership team where it's basically some of you guys who have a heart for this youth group who want to get together and pray for it with the counselors and throw out ideas like, hey, February, we need to do an outreach. We need to go and do something to bless other people. What should we be? And instead of me and Scotty always coming up with the ideas, I'd love to hear from you guys. What's on your heart? Who do you guys want to go bless? Who do you guys want to witness to? Like, what kind of stuff do you want to do to reach out to other people? Um, so I just think that'd be so cool if not just coming to youth group and hearing Bible studies, but actually having us participate in, like, what does God want us to do as a group? And then connecting with the adults on a Wednesday night once a month would be so cool. And then I know we do that on Sundays. I want you guys to pray about if you want to be involved in that. Um, Let's read verses 7 through 10. And we're almost done. In verse 7 through 10. And yes, Brooklyn, I did. Okay, she texted me a question. Um, <laughs> if anyone's confused. Um, verses 7 through 10. says, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. This is a really simple verse. I'm just going to break down. So if your friend Johnny has $5 in his bank account and he wants to give you a gift, what is the total value of the gift he can give you? Five dollars, exactly. But if a millionaire who's got like millions and millions of dollars wants to give you a gift, like he can give you a much better gift. This verse says, each of us has been given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. God has unlimited grace. He has so much grace. He has storehouses of grace. And he is just waiting to give it to you. If you're here tonight and you're discouraged, because maybe you're like, I've sinned this week. Or maybe even like yesterday I sinned. You know, and you're like, man, I, I'm so discouraged. Like, I'm hearing this steady, and I just feel like God hates me. I feel like I have to run away from God. I'm here for the friendship, but I, I know God's not pleased with me. Please understand, like, God is so ready to forgive you. You just have to ask for it. God is so willing to give you grace to cover your multitude of sins. He loves you so much. Understand, his grace is unlimited, and he wants to give it to you. And we're called to give that grace to others. Just like we've been given that good gift, like we've been talking about, somebody who drives you crazy, you've been called to give them the same amount of grace. In verse 8, it says, therefore, he sa- oh, this, this verse is really cool. I get excited about this verse, okay? Um, verses 8 through 10. It says, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men and women. I'll just add that because it's true. <laughs> just so you girls don't feel left out. Um, verse 9, Now this, he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10, he who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. You might be like reading this like first he ascended, then he descended, then he ascended. Like this is weird. This this verse is kind of confusing. I'm just going to break it down really practically. Um, Verse 8, again, it's saying when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. This is a great picture of what Jesus does. Imagine there's a bunch of prisoners, okay? We're the prisoners. We're in that prison cell. Jesus comes in. He goes to where we are. He busts open the jail. Then he takes the jailer and he throws him in the jail. And then he's like, presents. 
Not to the people in the, not to the jailer. Yeah, kind of like Santa. Um, Christmas, it's a Christmas message. Got to tie it into Christmas somehow. But no, that's so cool. Jesus comes in, he busts us out of jail, he throws Satan in jail, and then he's like, I'm going to give you guys gifts. That's the kind, that's a, that's a hero. Jesus is an amazing hero. Um, when it talks about God ascending, I mean, he's in heaven. He's in, in the high places, and then he descends to the lowest places. I want you guys to imagine. Imagine waking up, and you're like on a lifeboat in the middle of nowhere, floating in an ocean, and you can't see land. Like, you would be so scared. You'd feel hopeless. But then imagine you wake up in the middle of the ocean on a boat, but you're with a sea captain. Like, just this big, burly, like, bearded, like, think of, like, Jamie Urbina, like, wearing a crazy, like, peacoat and a captain's hat, and he's just like, ha, 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 ha. like, you know, and, like, you're, you feel so confident, because you're like, yes, like, I'm with this amazing sea captain, he's been through the worst storms, he's been through it, like, he knows where I'm at, he knows how to get me through this, that's where Jesus is, I mean, remember, Jesus, he's been to heaven, he's been to earth, he's been to hell, and back, Jesus has been through everything that could possibly happen. And while he was on earth, he went through all these temptations. He went through all these trials. He was beat up. He was spit on. He was gossiped about. Like Jesus has been through death and pain and loss and sorrow. He's been through all the good things, but all the bad things too. Whatever you're struggling with right now, whatever trial you're going through, know that Jesus has seen the worst, but he also sees your best. He sees the worst that could possibly happen, but he also sees what's best for you. And he sees the best potential possible outcome in your life. And he's like, that's what we're headed for. Like you're in that storm and you're freaking out. You're like, what's going on in my life? And Jesus is like, hey, it's okay. I can see the horizon. I can see the shore. I know where we're going. Stick with me and we're going to get there. That's so encouraging to me. In verse 11 through 13, as we kind of round up the chapter, wind down the chapter. um, In 11, it says, he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and some teachers. And verse 12, for equipping the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature and fullness of Christ. Okay, what's he talking about here? He's talking about gifts that are given out. And he's saying some people are gifted in certain ways. There's a whole bunch of lists of gifts in the Bible. They're called spiritual gifts. These are just a couple of them. There's more in Romans. There's more in some of the other of Paul's books. They're scattered all over the Bible. If you're ever interested, go look up gifts of the Spirit. Um, look up gifts. Like, I think every single Christian has gifts. And that's, I get so excited about that. So many of you guys have gifts. There's some of you guys who you obviously know that, you know, maybe you lead worship or maybe you've spoken before. Um, Maybe some of you guys, you know, you're gifted in evangelism. You go out street, excuse me. Oh my gosh. You go out street witnessing that pizza. Just like, oh, Um, I can't help it when I'm teaching. It's just, everything's flowing. I'm so sorry, Jordan. Um, So when you're out there street witnessing, like you know that like God uses you in an effective way. Some of you guys are encouraging, but I think a lot of you guys, you don't know what your gifts are. You've never thought about it. You don't know the way God has gifted you. I'm, I'm excited to help you guys find out what those are. There's a couple things he talks about. He talks about apostles. An apostle is basically a missionary. It's somebody who's appointed to go out and do something for the Lord. There's prophets. It's not necessarily a future teller, but it's somebody who speaks God's words. It's somebody who prays and he's like, God, what do you want me to say? And then he speaks the words. Sometimes um, if you ever, like, or have, has anyone ever been at something where someone prophesied before? Yeah? Okay, you have. So I'll give you guys an example of prophecy because um, it is real. It's 100% real. Um, we don't see it a lot here in this youth group just because 
I don't know why. I, I've, I haven't really experimented with that. I think maybe we should experiment more with the gifts of the Spirit. Um, but I know prophecy is real. My dad, I've seen it. I've been a part of it. And then I also know my dad. Um, when he was about 17 or 18, I might be getting that age wrong, but um, do you remember when dad tells the story about how he was going to go into baseball? And how, like, it was his life's dream, it was his passion, everything was about baseball. And then one day he went to a random Bible study, it wasn't even his youth group, it was, like, just some random Bible study at adult church, and they opened it up for prophecy. And some lady was like, I feel like God's telling me, there's someone here, and your whole life you've been dedicating to baseball, but God wants you to stop everything you're doing with baseball, and he wants you to go into ministry and serve him. And my dad, like, it was like, like, he felt it, like, that's for me. Like, I know that's for me. And I'm so glad that he did. Because for one, if he didn't go into ministry, he probably wouldn't have met my mom and then like a couple of us in this room wouldn't exist. And that'd be a bummer. Um, but uh, I'm so happy that my dad decided to listen to that prophecy. I want you guys to pay attention to what God is saying through other people to you. Another one is evangelists. Some of you guys have that gift. We go out preaching the gospel. We tell people about Jesus. It's just a phone. It's gonna be okay. Um, but I, isn't that what it is? It's, it's like a buzzing. I don't know. I, I, is it the tree? Is that tree also a phone? It's like an eye. It's an eye tree. Um, <laughs> pastors, teachers. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna move. Through, I'm gonna move this. We need to wrap up. Okay, with the whole gift stuff. Listen, if you don't know what your gift is, if you if you guys are like, I don't know what God has gifted me in. Pray. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. Ask God, what is my gift? Have Him show you. Let's wrap it up. Okay. We know that there's gifts. There's ways people can bless other people. What are they for? Gifts are for other people. They're not for drawing. Please pay attention. They're not. I'm sorry. I didn't mean. There's like a bunch of people talking. I didn't mean to single you out. Um, (laughs) I feel really bad now. Um, (laughs) I just happened to be looking in your direction when I said it. Okay. So the gifts, the gifts are, they're not toys to play with. They're tools to work with, okay? They're for other people. Here's, here's a great example of this, okay? Who knows Ben Corson? Okay? I love that. He is a dear man. Like, he is so just, he's an incredible person. But listen, the reason that I think he is that way is not because he goes around saying, I'm so amazing. Hello, stud. Let me tell you about how great I am. That's not, that's not Ben. Like, he doesn't do that. Ben is probably one of the most humble people I know. He never promotes himself. He never talks about how great he is. He just lets God use him. And you guys all know, you guys have all been blessed by him. Did you guys, he would hate that I would tell you guys this, but I just want to give you guys an example of someone to look up to. Ben never lets us pay him. We always pay our worship leaders. We always pay our speakers. We literally have had to like hide money in his backpack without him knowing. We try to pay him and he's like, oh no, I can't. No, like you, no, like you just, you, like, and it's, it's such a blessing to me that that's somebody who's like, because I've seen it the other way. Like, I've seen guys who started out really humble in a youth group playing worship, and, and God had given them that gift. And then down the line, now they're big and they're recognized. And no, I'm not talking about Phil Wickham. Phil Wickham is one of, also a very humble guy. But I do know other people. I saw Phil Wickham at Disneyland the other day. Anyway, um, <laughs> I know. I do know people, though. I do know, I do know of people who started out really humble, and then they got big and they recognized that people liked their music. And the next thing they know, they're like, 
All right, I'm coming in to play worship at your church. Here's my rider. That's what musicians give. It's like basically a list of requests. They're like, I, I need a tray of green M&Ms to my left, red M&Ms to my right. Uh, I make sure you have 20 water bottles for me. Here's how much I charge. I'm not going to play at your church unless you pay me this much. And guys, to, to me, I understand that there's people who have to make a living, but I just want to challenge you guys. God has given you guys gifts. Use them to help other people not always to benefit yourself. If we get to a point where we only use our gift or where we're like, hey, I have a teaching ministry, so it's really important that everyone come here, here's me teach, or hey, like I have a healing ministry and you can only get healed if you come in when I'm doing my healing thing. To me, that's just, it's, it's not the way we should be using our gifts. He talks about equipping. Who, is, who remembers what I've said about being an equipper? Does anyone remember? I've said it about a hundred times. Trevor, what is it? No, don't ask me. Okay. Well, it warms my heart to know that someone remembers. Okay, so an equipper? Do you know what an equipper is? No. I'll tell you. Oh, it's the, it's the function of a pastor, right? Well, okay, yeah. Sounds like a fish. Like in this A fish? Like a flipper? Yeah, totally. My name's Clipper. I'm Flipper the Equipper. All right, shh. I have it too. You guys are doing so good. Okay, listen. This is the end of the study, okay? Listen. Couple more things, okay? So, an equipper, that's what a pastor is supposed to do. A lot of people think that a pastor, like, a, who, let's have, because I'll be the first to raise my hand. Has anyone here ever thought, like, if I'm gonna be spiritual, then I need to go to Bible college and I need to work at a church, I need to be on staff at a church, I need to be a missionary, a pastor, a pastor's wife, a worship leader, and then I'll really be spiritual. Has anyone ever, like in the course of your time as a child, junior high, or now, ever thought those thoughts? I'll, I will say I have. Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? I really wanted yeah? to be a pastor's wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 we'll talk afterwards. <laughs> we'll pray for you. So, in a, listen, listen, in a battle, okay, in a battle, an equipper, the, the Bible calls a pastor an equipper. Um, an equipper is somebody who's not on the battlefield necessarily stabbing people and fighting fights and battles. They're the guy who stands at the door and they hold out, here's the sword, here's the shield, here's the bow, here's the arrow. God calls you guys in this room, the body of Christ, to be the ones who are out doing great things for God. Whether or not you work for a church, my primary role, Scotty's primary role, is that's why I really want you guys to pay attention. It's not so, hey, I'm funny, listen. Like, the reason I'm trying to like, throw in some jokes is to help you guys pay attention because I really feel like what God says in his word is valuable. This is what you need to be effective for God out in the world. It's all in here. It's all in his word. And we're, our job is to hand it to you, teach it, say, here it is, and then you guys go pray about it. I hope that after Sunday messages, I hope after Tuesday, Wednesday messages, you guys go home and you pull out your notes or you pull up in your head what you remember and you pray about it and say, God, what do you want to teach me? God, what do I need to change? God, how can I serve you better? There was a football coach and they asked him, hey, uh, Mr. Football Coach, do you think that football in America has led to better exercise? Have people been exercising more because of the influence of football? And he said, no, absolutely not. And they asked him why. And he said, because the way I see it is during a football game, there's 22 guys on the field who are desperately in need of a break. And there's 42,000 people in the stands who are desperately in need of some exercise. And that's the way it makes me think of. Jesus says, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. He says, guys, there's a lot of people out there who need to be loved. There's a lot of people out there who need to be saved. There's a lot of people out there who need to be encouraged, who need to be blessed. 
but are we willing to go out and spend our time that's often so selfie focused on our own self? Sometimes we think like going to church is what it's all about. Like, I'm a Christian. I'm here. I showed up to church. I did my Christian duty. Like, I'm going to show up and I'm going to be really spiritual tonight because yesterday I sinned and tomorrow I'm going to sin and I need to get to church so I can be like spiritual. But guys, another, this is my last sports analogy, I promise. Church is not the game. It's the locker room speech. Does that make sense to you guys on the sports teams? It's not like this is what we live for, church. This is where we come and we hear what God has to say in his word and then we go out and we run the place. How can you guys do it? How can you minister to other people? Listen, really practically, if you have a brother or sister, you can do some devotions with them. You can sit down with your brother and sister and say, hey, let's read the Bible together. I want to encourage you. Most of you guys have parents. Like, you live with your parents, mom or dad. Like, you can encourage your parents. Like, you can go to them and say, hey, mom, I read this in the Bible, and I really think you'd like this. Can I encourage you? You're doing such a great job around the house. Like, I'm so blessed by all you do for us as a family. You can go to your dad and say, dad, like, thank you for working so hard. Like, I love you so much. Like, can we go out to coffee? I'd love to talk to you about what God is doing in my life. Some of you guys, your parents' brains would just be blown if you do those things. Some of you guys, I mean, God has given you the gospel message. You can write that down on a piece of paper and stick it in someone's locker. You can deliver that to somebody on your school. You can sit next to a kid at school who doesn't know anybody and who's lonely, and you can bless them. Uh, You can go out Christmas caroling with us on the 20th as a church, and you can sing songs to people who are in need. There's so many opportunities every month for us to love and bless other people. What if it was just like, I'm like telling you guys, you guys need to do ministry. What if I was like, hey, um, guys, if you really want to do ministry, like what you guys need is you need us. You need me and Brooklyn and Scotty and Rebecca and Amanda. Like that's how you do ministry. So if you want to do ministry, like if you, if you see that kid at school who doesn't know Jesus, like have us come to school with you and we'll like follow that kid around and be like, hey, do you know? Like that would be creepy. That kid would be like, uh, I'm calling the cops. Like who's this weird fat guy like following me around trying to tell me about Jesus? Like that's weird. Guys, it's not like... We are all called to ministry. And God has like laid out, we learned this in Ephesians chapter three, I think. God has already gone before you and prepared work for you guys to do in ministry. Step into it and do it. I don't want this youth group to be my ministry. I wanna be the guy who points you to our ministry. I wanna be the guy who's like, guys, what can we do together to serve Jesus? So I think, I think I'm gonna stop there. I had a little bit more, but I'll save it for next week. I'm gonna pray. What we're gonna do is, guys, we're gonna be manly. We're gonna go outside in the rain and just face the elements and have a, have a guy group. And then, no, sorry. And then um, <laughs> the girls, um, you can either, you can all meet in here, or if you want, some of you guys can meet in the office. You can do half. Um, Rebecca can take half, and Brooklyn can take half. And uh, between, Amanda, are you, is any other girl counselor here besides you? Okay, you guys can, you guys can fight over who gets to keep Amanda. Um, <laughs> oh, you're a counselor? And then, so guys, we're going to go outside and do a guys group. And then girls, you can do either one group or two, two groups. It's up to you. Okay, so I'm going to pray. And we'll break up. We are breaking up, all of us. Yep. And we are, ne- we are never, we are never, ever getting, getting back, back together. together. <laughs> all right. Lord. <laughs> Lord, we thank you so much for how awesome you are and how amazing you are, and we thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would bless this time as we seek you as smaller groups from this already small group, Lord. We are going to break off, and we are going to seek you as guys and girls 
And Lord, I pray you'd reveal different things to each of us. I pray you'd anoint Scotty and Stephen and um, also some of these, these awesome young dudes who are in our youth group. Give them things to say. Lord, for the girls, I pray you'd bless Amanda and Rebecca and Brooklyn and, and all of the high school girls. Lord, I pray you'd fill them with words to say to encourage and edify one another, Lord. I pray you'd help us to see, Lord, how we can serve you, how we can do things for you, not because we need to earn anything, but just because we love you. Help us, Lord, to learn what you have to say to us tonight. We love you in your name. Amen.